boost reading and writing and learning confidence with TextHelp. TextHelp is a world-leading specialist in assistive technology and literacy support software. They believe that literacy skills are every student's passport to academic, social, and professional success. They create smart, friendly software supports that enable young people to read and write with confidence. Read and Write is their award-winning software designed to support struggling readers and writers, English language learners, and students with learning disabilities. It's available on Windows, Macs, and as a Chrome extension, and on both iPad and Android tablets. To find out more, visit texthelp.com slash readwrite. Need to make more time for reading? With Fluency Tutor for Google, you can do just that. This time-saving leveled reading and assessment tool lets teachers share an unlimited number of reading passages with students and listen to, score, and provide feedback on their recordings. Try it for free at fluencytutorforgoogle.com. And finally, Boost student achievement with Teach for Google. This exciting new professional development system for educators offers a fast-growing library of short, easy-to-implement courses containing all the tools necessary to successfully implement effective teaching strategies through the Google Apps environment. Learn more at teachforgoogle.com. To find out more about TextHelp and their award-winning software solutions for educators and the students, visit texthelp.com or call one 888 2480652 again that number is 18882480652 hello and welcome to the AT tips cast where we explore free or nearly free tools and strategies that educators can use to provide more options to all learners I'm your host, Chris Bougay. This is episode 146, recorded on April 24th, 2015. Let's get right into more emails sent in by listeners of the podcast and how I responded. Remember that in order to not betray anyone's trust, I've deleted any names and altered the emails just a bit as to not give away any identifying information. And even though I left it as a sort of a surprise in the last episode, I've included some movie clips relevant to the questions and answers in this episode. So, see if you can guess the movies and head over to attipscast.com to see if you are correct. We'll dive right back into those questions and answers after a word about our second sponsor. EasyGrade is a free iOS app for teachers that makes it easy to grade your students' papers when you leave the cardboard EasyGrader at school. This app has many features that make it the best easy grader application on the App Store. The feature that makes this app stand out is that if you grade with partial credit, EasyGrade has an option, available via an in-app purchase, that lets you calculate grades based on half points or whole points. Some other great features include how you can adjust how many questions are on the test with a quick tap, how you can choose whether you want to calculate grades based on the number of problems your students got wrong or the number of problems the student got right, and how you can increase or decrease the text size if you need to fit more or less on one screen. EasyGrade is free in the App Store, and the best way to find it is to do a search for EasyGrade or by going to www.easygradeapp.com. That's www.easygradeapp.com. Hi. Many of the school districts I work with rely on Kurzweil for their scan-read needs. 
I have one district who has read and write from text help, but it is taking all year for their IT department to install it. So I don't have actual field testing of the software. I am considering recommending text help to a local district, but as I am testing it using the mobile USB software, that's what we have. I am running into lots of technical issues. Not sure the IT guys can always handle this in many districts, but also not sure if a lot is related to using the mobile version. I am looking for a personal recommendation from folks who really use the software. Does your school system use it? If not, I guess you can ignore the rest of the email. I like the read and write feature of scanning directly into Adobe Reader and having their PDF allowed extension read it. I was able to scan and keep the original format of the picture worksheet book. I was then using the Adobe Sign tool to add text. My issue recently is when I tried to change color of the reading highlighting, then PDF allowed started becoming freaky. Do you have this problem? Do you have students who use the read back feature of Dragon? Basically, I am looking for feedback from a district that is using the read and write version 11 software with good reliability, scanning and editing slash adding text in Adobe Reader. Hey, we've got a problem here. What did you do? Nothing, I stirred the text. Whoa, hey. Uh, this is Houston. Uh, say again, please. Houston, we have a problem. We have a hey there. We have Read and Write version 11 in our district and absolutely love it. Although I don't usually work directly with the technical installation side of things, those that do have reported great success with working with TextHelp's technical people in troubleshooting problems. If you're having problems with the mobile units, I'd contact them and ask them for help. When scanning, the majority of our teachers scan to Word, not PDF, so I don't have much experience with the delay or glitches in using word prediction or changing the highlighting with Adobe Reader. Having said that, if you want to send me a PDF, I can try what you've described on our system and report back. This would tell you if it was a Read and Write 11 issue or something more specific to your computers. I almost never recommend speech-to-text as a first step unless a student has a physical impairment that completely eliminates the ability to access the keyboard. We'd rather the student record his or her voice and turn in the audio files for any lesson that isn't about teaching or assessing writing. We advocate for the students to express what they know in the way that they prefer, and if that final format is audio, so be it. Sometimes it takes some getting used to by teachers who all went to school having to produce work for every subject in written format. But they're coming around. Likewise, some teachers are seeming to get the idea that instead of, how can I get this student with a disability to do this worksheet? The real question is, how can I provide options to any student to learn the content and express what they know? We help teachers understand that the role of the special educator is not to adapt your worksheet, but to plan with you to create a dynamic lesson that's accessible to everybody where you don't need to use a worksheet in the first place. Hi Chris, I am an occupational therapist and assistive technology practitioner in a public school. Of course, not the AT evaluator in an official sense for the district, yet. For over a year, I've been listening to the assistive technology update from the INDATA Project Weekly. But recently, someone referred me to your podcast as well, and I am so glad to add it to my daily commute. 
I no longer listen to the radio. I constantly absorb info from podcasts related to OT and AT. It is great. Thank you for putting together these edutaining podcasts. I love the one with your daughter Maggie telling you about her pre-K classroom. I also just received your book, The Practical and Fun Guide to Assistive Technology in Public Schools, and have already earmarked some pages. But I have a question. I recently listened to the cast about AT Eval to Go. I was very interested in it, but at the price of $39.99, it's a little high for me to invest without being able to trial it or use a light version. Is this something in the works? Also, I am a blogger. I have been reviewing tangible games, products, and apps related to children's special needs and general life. I would love to review the Eval to Go app if you don't mind. I am always honest. Anyway, keep up the great work. I enjoy your AT Tips cast greatly. Thank you for the kind comments about the podcast. I'm so glad you found it and moreover, find it useful. Like you, I bailed on the radio as well in favor of podcasts. If you haven't heard of it, let me recommend the Edceptional show as well. They've stopped recording about maybe a year ago, but the past episodes are still really good. I'm also happy to hear you got the book and that you're earmarking pages. That's exactly what we hoped for when we were writing it. We hoped educators would be flagging pages and maybe leaving them open on the desk of administrators with the, see, this is what I'm talking about sort of approach. As for the app atfl to go unfortunately, I'm just the designer. That is, Smarty Ears, the company that developed the app, dictates the cost, the updates, and any future developments. Basically, I designed it, but they manage the day-to-day operations of it. Having said all that, there is a pretty detailed video we created about the basic functions of the app. You can watch that by going to bit.ly slash to tutorial. That's bit.ly slash to tutorial. Also, iCater, out of Iowa, did a video review of atfl to go as well which you can watch at bit.ly slash to review. That's bit.ly slash go review. Hopefully those videos will give you a nice feel for how the app works and functions. You can always write smart ears as well, inquiring about different ways to acquire a copy. Occasionally, they do get promo codes to give away, but again, that's something they manage. Still, you might be able to work out something directly with them. Congratulations on your blog, too. Way to go for putting yourself out there and sharing. In my opinion, we need more people out there doing just that. I can't wait to explore your blog further. This is a follow-up to the previous correspondence. Hi, Chris. First, I am still having fun working my way backwards through all the old podcasts, and I have to say it is great to see the evolution of the cast over the past almost six years. Great job and keep up the great work. Second, I managed to get a copy of the AT Eval to Go app and am having a lot of fun using it to evaluate classrooms. It is helping me create a bank of ideas related specifically to the needs of our students in the blended learning environment. Or rather, it is guiding me to come up with AT applications for all the tech we have. And we have a lot of tech in our school. Once I do a few more, I'm going to write a review on it. But the other reason I am contacting you was to ask how you got your Strategy A Day calendar made. I love the idea. Read and listen to the podcast episode about the open source one, but I keep missing how you actually got it made. Thanks! I'm so glad you're enjoying the podcast and listening to all the previous episodes. 
Also, I'm glad you're finding the app to be useful in your practice. For both, you're using them just how I had hoped, and it's really fulfilling to know that those labors are helping people. As for the strategy of day calendar, our team puts it together in PowerPoint. We use a Google spreadsheet where we all list out ideas of what the content should be. Every team member creates 25 slides and they submit it to me. I edit them, make them all uniform, sort them, slap dates on them, and then, you know, put it together. We then send out letters to all the copyright holders of any images we use looking for permission. Most have no issues and allow us to use their image. Once the final PowerPoint file is created, I duplicate each slide three times. Then, I send that file to our printing office, and they print it. By duplicating each slide three times, we get four calendars per stack of paper. Then the printing office ships those uncut 8.5 by 11 sheets to our vocational center, where students working in a graphic design course cut them, put a cardboard backing on them, and glue them together. Then, we distribute to all the new teachers, special education teachers, technology resource teachers, related service staff, administrators, and some other VIPs as well. We believe the strategies aren't just for special education, and so we put the calendar on our website as well, lcps.org at, so any teacher can have access. Does that help explain it? As for the content, we try to focus the content in the calendar on our most prevalent questions from teachers. I like to think of the calendar as one prong in a multifaceted PD approach based on our targeted goals. For example, we're getting a lot of questions about core vocabulary, so let's do more slides this year on how to integrate core vocabulary for students learning language. Finally, I'd say that I wouldn't necessarily recommend our method for creation. We're just kind of into it, and we have that system down, so that's the way we do it. But if I had to start it over again, I'd recommend using Google Slides or maybe PowerPoint Online instead. In fact, I launched an open-source, crowd-sourced calendar where anyone can contribute and from which anyone could harvest slides. There's an entire AT Tipscast episode about that initiative you can check out for yourself. And you can make a slide of your own, like on a favorite strategy or maybe promoting your blog, or both. You can check out the open source, crowdsource strategy day calendar by going to bit.ly slash open source sad cal. That's bit.ly slash open source sad cal. I hope this answered your questions, but if it didn't, just let me know and I'll do my best to fill in the blanks. Thanks again for listening and using the app. You create the world of the dream. We bring the subject into that dream and they fill it with their subconscious. How could I ever acquire enough detail to make them think that it's reality? Well, dreams, they feel real while we're in them, right? It's only when we wake up that we realize something was actually strange. Let me ask you a question. You, you never really remember the beginning of a dream, do you? You always wind up right in the middle of what's going on. I guess, yeah. So how did we end up here? Well, we just came from the, uh... Think about it, Ariadne. How did you get here? Where are you right now? We're dreaming. You're actually in the middle of the workshop right now, sleeping. This is your first lesson in shared dreaming. Stay calm. Hello, Chris. I had the pleasure of attending your sessions at the Texas Assistive Technology Network last summer, and I wonder if you could help me with a technical issue. I will be presenting myself soon and wanted to implement the strategy you showing of group participation by using Google Docs to capture input from the audience. 
I do have a Google account and have a general understanding of how it works, but would really appreciate any tutorials to quickly get me going in the right direction to create a document with a table that could easily be accessed by participants using their iPad or iPhone. I'm just not even sure where to begin. You got it. So you know how to create a Google document, right? When you hit that Create button, there are other choices besides document. Choose Spreadsheet. Then make that spreadsheet how you wish with different headings in the columns, just like you might in Excel. At any time, you can go to the Share button in the upper right. When you click that, you'll see that the default setting for the spreadsheet is marked Private, only for you. You can change that, though, to be Public. Then, you copy and paste the URL to give it to your audience. The URL will be really long and complicated, so I'd recommend customizing it, not just shortening it, using bit.ly or tinyurl.com. If you want to test it with me, you can create your spreadsheet, change the sharing to public, customize the URL, and then email it. I'll try to access it to leave you a message on your spreadsheet. Would that be helpful? Also, here's a quick tutorial bit.ly slash share Google tutorial. This also shows how to create a Google form, which is another option for you. I hope this helps. This is a follow-up from the previous correspondence. Okay, couldn't stand to wait. Try this link. Hope it works. Chris, you was kind, you was smart, you was important. Appreciate the quick response and help. Okay, I tested it. It works. I monopolized the first three rows. A couple of things to consider about your spreadsheet. One, if you right-click in the first cell of a column, one of the options in the drop-down is Data Validation. It sounds wicked scary, but I think it'll make what you're trying to do in columns D and E easier for your participants. With Data Validation, a window appears asking you to create a list of responses. I started column D for you, but left column E alone so you could try to replicate what I did in D. Let me know if you have any questions about it. Two. Bit.ly is case sensitive, so if someone types in your shortened URL and you've got caps in your link, but they don't put caps on it, it won't work. It's just a trick I've learned over time, but I try to keep everything lowercase. No worries though, you can quickly go back to bit.ly and change it, and then guess what? Both links will work. Also, if you go to bit.ly and see your link in your list, you'll see something next to it called View Stats. When you click on it, it takes you to the stats page with useful information about how many times your link has been clicked. 3. Do you want a column for contact information? I imagine myself in your session, seeing a cool app, downloading it, trying it out, and then having questions. I could go back to your spreadsheet, see who had written in that spreadsheet who was recommending that app, and then ask that person a question. It's just something to consider. I added it in just in case you wanted it. If that's too bold, I apologize. Go ahead and delete it. I just got excited for you. 4. Along the lines of recommendations that are too bold, what do you think about another column of price as of this date? This one I did not add. I didn't add that column for you. Since your spreadsheet is really a list of apps, I know I really like to see the price of the apps listed as well. It just helps me know if that app is something that fits into my budget or not at first glance. It also seems to be a question people ask too during presentations on apps. Hey, how much is that app? You have the ability to delete anything I've done in the spreadsheet to make it as clean as a whistle. Good luck. Let me know if there's anything else I can do to help. Let me know how it goes. You is kind. You is smart. You is important. You is smart. You is kind. You is important.
Thanks again to my wife, Melissa, for reading all the questions. It took some time to record, so thanks, Melissa. You can follow her on Twitter at According to Mags. If you haven't already heard, I'm headed to Australia and New Zealand this summer to do a whirlwind tour of presentations. Each of the presentations will be on practical ways to implement augmentative or alternative communication devices all day long. The sessions will specifically be centered on using core vocabulary and the MintSpeak system. The best part is that I'm going to travel and present with Bruce Baker, the inventor of MintSpeak himself. The man is a legend in the field, and I'm honored that he asked me to be his co-presenter. I'll do my best to fill all my social media feeds with updates on the trip. Until next time, may all your strategies be supportive, may all your interventions be inclusive, and may you always remember that you have an obligation to yourself to be awesome. You got a light, buddy? Yeah, sure, kid. There you go. And your wallet. Nick, give him your wallet. What for? He's got a knife. <laughs> That's not a knife. That's a knife.